Hey guys, what's up? I know two episode releases in one day. What? How cool is that? I know, right? In case you're jumping right into this episode, I also put out episode 13 of From the Inbox, a podcast where I covered five of my favorite songs of the week. So keep listening, following this interview, and you'll be right where you need to be. Now on this mini episode of the podcast, I sat down with Gage Vota. He's the front man for the Moundsville, West Virginia punk group Stage Moms to talk about his new single, 231, and about the closure of his local music venue, Thunderbirds, that he owned back in April 2020. You can hear their song, 231, up on the website alongside this interview. But for now, here is the interview with Stage Moms. Hey, this is Gage Feta from Stage Moms. Uh, stoked to be chatting with you today. Yeah, thanks for just joining me this afternoon. Uh, and the reason why I'm talking to you is because you're putting out a new single called 231. And although the title seems small, there's actually quite a big story behind it because you were a um, you were actually an owner of a music venue in uh, what part of West Virginia again? Moundsville, West Virginia. Moundsville, Moundsville, West Virginia. There we go. My Canadian <laughs> accent's seeping in there here. You go. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's a, this, so the song 231 kind of came out of your experience with what happened at the sort of COVID. Do you mind just kind of introducing what uh, what occurred? Hey, yeah, so um, like you said, I owned a venue called Thunderbirds. Uh, the address is uh, 231 Jefferson Avenue, so that's where the 231 comes from. Um, so basically what happened is we were on tour at the start of the pandemic, and we got as far down to Texas before we had to call the call the tour off. And um, on the way back from uh, like when we were in Texas, my landlord was blowing me up saying like, oh, there's like the windows cracked and someone like like smashed the window and everything was trying to get me to pay an extra thousand dollars. And I was like, dude, like I don't even have it. Like we're not even allowed to do shows right now. Like basically. And she was like, yo, like pay this money or you gotta get out. And I was just like, yo, like that, you can't do that. Like I'll, I'm, I'll be down or I'll be back in the, I'll be back in the Valley, which is like just the area we live in. I'll be back in like two days. I can try to come and look at it. So like basically I get down there, there's no win- window broken or anything like that. She was just trying to get an extra thousand out of me because I oh, think wow. with the, with the pandemic, I think she was freaking out because I'm not going to have any income or any way to pay rent. And so like I get back in town and uh, it's like March 20th about when I get back in town. And um, she basically was telling me that I need to pay the rent. And I was like, look, I have like March's rent, but like for, or like I have the rent money for April, obviously, sorry. And I was like, but I don't know what I'm going to do for May or the summer if, if they keep everything closed. And she was basically like, you got to pay me and you still got to pay that extra thousand. And I was just like, yeah, that's not happening. And then like, obviously like big fights and everything pretty much every day. And then after April 1st, she was like, if you don't get your stuff out, I'm uh, charging, uh, charging you an extra month and changing the locks. So basically she kicked us out. So I had to go down get everything out. And uh, like I said, this was the beginning of the pandemic. I had a, I had a tumor in my neck that I had to get surgery on in uh, oh my God. July. So like I was super high at risk for COVID. And so I was like literally not going anywhere. I mean, it's what, yeah. what month? 
this is February now and I still like I go out like once a week maybe like I work from home and everything so like I'm still at high risk but obviously the I had the surgery in July so it's not as as sketch but um so basically I was trying to like hey like I'm at high risk like I don't want to get out of there and so basically she just like said either get it or it's going to be out on the street so and that's like PA system lighting like <laughs> like literally yeah everything. all the so, good all the big stuff yeah so basically making a long story a little less longer <laughs> yeah 231 is just like basically the uh it's just about all that stuff and then trying to cope with like basically putting your putting everything you have into a dream and then just like going going to shit trying to figure out what you want to do with it or yeah. what you want to do from there was running uh running a music venue like a big goal of yours for for a long time yeah yeah it was definitely for like um ever like that was always kind of yeah. like the end goal it's like a nice yeah it's a nice complimentary thing to being in a, in a punk band especially is you know having like a home base for sure how long were you uh running it for so we were open for a little under two years, but like we were throwing like DIY shows. Like I've been throwing DIY shows for close to 10 years now. Oh, that's awesome. Is there a good, is there a good scene out there in Moundsville? Uh, I mean, it's super hit or miss. I mean, we, it's not a huge scene, but the scene's super like supportive and it's like the people that are there are there because they want to be there. They're not there to smoke cigarettes out out front or drink beer in the alley or anything. I mean, obviously there are people like that that come, but like when, when I was like booking shows and it'd be like a Tuesday or something, I'd be like for a touring band, I'd be like, I can do the show. Like there might be like 10 kids there, but all those kids, like if you're, if you're not like, mean they're all gonna like watch you and like buy your merch and stuff so like you'll get to the next town but it's not gonna be like 100 people at this like all ages diy space or anything yeah. like that but, hey, it's it's still something right yeah yeah for sure it was definitely uh it was really cool that was awesome and how does your band stage moms kind of fit into the scene have you guys been around for a while or no we um we started last we our first release was last november and uh we've only played the home our hometown we've only played Thunderbirds in our hometown and we've only played our hometown three times. Oh, nice. It's very, very up and coming, very DIY sort of thing. And uh, I believe you guys are putting out an EP uh, this year, hopefully, right? Is that still in the works? Yeah. March 12th, it drops. Oh, very soon. Yeah. Almost heaven feels like hell. Is that correct? Yes. correct. (laughs) Very cool name right on. And so, um, you know, kind of this experience of, dealing with the, you know, the shitty landlord and COVID and all that stuff. Were a lot of the songs kind of written about that uh, incident other than three, two, three, one? Yeah. So um, basically the way this EP and the last EP, they tie in perfectly together. So like the, um, the first EP starts off with a song called uh, Living Off Change. And that's kind of like where I was right before I like right before I started stage moms and that EP just plays through like how I was like forming the band and like going through a breakup and all that fun stuff and then like this EP uh starts off with a song called phone's dead which picks up exactly where uh the last EP finished like chronologically oh nice okay yeah and then 231 is the last song on the EP and that's like up to date with now basically yeah and for people who aren't familiar with your music like what are some 
influences for you guys? Cause you guys got a pretty aggressive sound, but there's also a pretty, I know you guys describe yourselves as aggressive pop punk. I've been told, but there's definitely some dirt and nails to it, which I like. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, uh, we, I mean, we all grew up in like different backgrounds. Like we all played and toured in like different bands. Um, Grayson and I played in like folk punk bands and, uh, Dom toured in like a indie folk project and then Drew uh, grew up and played in like a, like um, like crust punk bands and hardcore bands and stuff. So like we kind of all like blend or attempt to blend yeah. <laughs> our influences with that. But pop punk is definitely like the um, the starting off or jumping point, whatever you want to call it. But um, like I, I grew up listening to bands like the Wonder Years, uh, Crucial Dudes. Um, story so far man overboard handguns like all those bands from like the 2011 sad boy yeah, pop yeah. Punk. <laughs> and they're all coming back now too which is great it's a good time know, for uh, especially on tiktok i i've i've been kind of warped into this algorithm where it's a lot of emo and pop punk bands and uh influences Same. and stuff so it's yeah it's on like it's only come up again which is exciting for sure and uh kind of going back to 231 uh, some of the lyrics are very well. The nice thing about the song is it's very direct. You get a very good sense of what went on, like what happened. And I, I know one of the lyrics in particular um, started this year sleeping on a park bench. Now I'm in my bed. I guess that's progress. Is that literally like? I guess that's more of a. Is that a literal? Is that literally what happened? Were you guys like kicked out of the venue and you know kind of homeless for a bit or? No. So like, um, what happened is like I was saying how it's in chronological order so the ep starts off with phones dead and that song's about like just like a bender that i went on <laughs> and um nice. i couldn't find any like the line is uh uh couldn't find a place to stay so I was sleeping on sleeping in the rain again i'm butchering it but basically that song is like about like going on a bender and sleeping on a park bench and then 231 which is the last song on the ep is referencing that where it's like, I started this year sleeping on a park bench, but I'll end it by sleeping in my bed. That's progress. That sounds like one crazy night. Do you actually, you actually slept on a park bench after a bender? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, very, that's so punk of you. That's awesome. um, There was a bar. um, So like when uh, the first EP, like I said, it's all about like a breakup and then like leaving, um, leaving that relationship. I uh, slept at Thunderbirds for like a month. Um, just trying to like figure out everything and there was a bar right next to it and uh there's a park bench right there it's not it's not too glamorous yeah it's not like i was living in the like uh (laughs) like on like i I was sleeping in the van and sleeping at thunderbirds it wasn't anything too too serious it's all part of the process but now you've got an actual bed to sleep on so that's that's what's important (laughs) for sure yeah kind of working back into the issue with your landlord and the venue and things like that how, like, what are some of your thoughts about how the states in particular are kind of dealing with, you know, letting venues, music venues kind of just disappear because of COVID? Yeah, it's pretty bullshit. Um, That's a good way to put it, yeah. Speaking, yeah, speaking from experience, I wasn't even able to get unemployment until a month before the uh, uh, pandemic assistance, like money, like the extra money, like I think it was like 600 a week or something like that. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't, they wouldn't give it to me for up until like 
a month or maybe a month, maybe a month and a half before it ended. And that's because of your job as like a musician and venue owner? Well, it was the job as, yeah, Thunderbirds. So yeah. like when it closed, I tried to apply for unemployment. They said no. Bills kept coming in. Um, I had to like obviously call and tell them like, hey, like I don't own this place anymore, but obviously the debt still carries over. So yeah. I think it's, it's, it's really bullshit. And then like with, uh, what the save our stages movements doing is really great. Um, unfortunately, at least how I looked on it, I don't want to say something and not be a hundred percent true, but I looked on it to try to just like get rid of the debt that I have from it. And, um, as of now, they're only doing, um, venues that, like you have to have a reopening date or like a plan on how to reopen and that's literally impossible like for a lot of a lot of venues and that's not me like talking shit on that that establishment or organization i mean they're doing amazing things like definitely donate to them if you if you can because they're they're doing what our government won't do yeah which is which is nice that you know somebody stepped up for sure but yeah, I guess, you know, you can't give it to everybody and it is, that is pretty challenging to plan within like, uh, like a non-existent future for, for right now, at least, right. It seems almost yeah. impossible to plan. So, but, you know, trying to be optimistic here, would you, is a part of your goal to reopen to, to some capacity, maybe not Thunderbird specifically, but to run your own venue again? Probably not. No. The dream is over. Has it been crushed? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's one way to put it. <laughs> that's, yes, well, it's, maybe you never you never know how how life goes, but that's all right. Yeah, I um I don't I just don't see it. Um, I'm in some debt. Yeah, that's <laughs> so fair. we got, we got to figure that out first. Let's just say, but I mean, I I guess like never say never. Obviously, I'd, I'd love to do it. That was literally the best two years of my life. Any crazy stories from uh, from those two years? There's one that's really crazy, but I'll tell you off air. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. But uh, there's this one time this guy came in. Um, he threatened. Okay. So I'll tell you this one. This one's not as crazy as the other one, but it's really messed up. It's more shareable so, at least. Okay. <laughs> this dude tried to like, he threatened to like shoot up the place. And uh, he, he, cause we kicked him out the week before, um, because he did a bunch of Xanax. This is like a 50-year-old man that did not come to our venue like regularly. He was not like a part of the scene or anything. He just popped he up just one day. And uh, he, he uh, did a bunch of Xanax and uh, just was double fisting four locos. And um, oh my God. tried to bring a, like a 24-pack of beer into the venue. And I was like, dude, we're all ages. Like there's literally like Moundsville is flooded with bars. Like it's every single there's like a bar in any direction from thunderbirds so we were like dude like just like chill so like he tries to sneak in like seven times we like keep on kicking him out he um so then like the band he went to see was coming back in a few like a month or two later and uh he like put on facebook that he was like gonna shoot up the place and stuff so like word got out and like the cops ended up calling me and was like hey like i don't think you should have this show and I was like, he's not going to do anything, but like, I guess like, uh, like uh, he's banned. So like, I don't know, but (laughs) it was just a very interesting time. Did you ever hear from him again? Yeah. Yeah. He still comments on stuff and not anymore, like ever since we closed, but he'd still comment on stuff and 
he'd always just talk shit. So like I, I banned him from the page, but like he'd all, he'd make like a burner account on Facebook. Some people, man. It's all that you'd be surprised. The guy on that much Xanax, he's that aggressive. Wow. Yeah, I know. That's what I was saying. Like he was on Xans, but then he was on like I think he ended up drinking four four locos that night. So four locos are dangerous. Yeah. yeah. And like I think it just supercharged him, dude. He passed out in the uh, convenience store across the street, like oh in God. the store. Uh, and I guess they had to call the cops on him. I didn't even know about that until like like months later. They're like, I went into like buy some cigarettes or something, and they were like, Hey, did you that this crazy guy ever come in? And I was like, Yeah. And they were like, We had to call the cops on him. He fell asleep in our in our store. Jeez, that's crazy. Man, that's it's wait. I gotta ask this because here, at least every single bar in Canada I've ever been to, we we don't sell for locos in bars. I've never uh, been to no, a store. It was the it was the convenience, convenience store. store. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, we, yeah. We, they're really hard to find here in in, uh, in Toronto. I've I've you see them every so often in certain locations, but yeah, those things are they're delicious, but they get you. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like Red Bull on steroids. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're scary. They were invented in Ohio, so oh yeah, that's Ohio proud. Wow, that's close to that's close to where you are, right? Or you're yeah. in Ohio, yeah. Yeah, I'm in Ohio. Yeah, that's very close to close you. Close to home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And that's the thing too. Like a lot of people who, uh, you know, you go to your your local venue, your little bar, local bar, or whatever, and uh, you never think about how not only is it financially difficult to run a bar, but you also have to deal with a lot of random people that come in and out. So that's always, it's always interesting anecdotes later once you can, you know, calmly and safely laugh about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, okay. So I, I also know um, that stage moms, you, you were mentioning before that you guys want to do, you guys trying to pick up, uh, try to build your fan base, not less organically, but now because of COVID you guys can't retouring and you, you want to be doing some more interesting things online. What, what type of stuff are you guys doing to make an effort to make more, make a bigger fan base? honestly like we've just been super active on like uh the big three like facebook twitter instagram trying to grow on tiktok it's so funny when everyone always says like it's so easy because like maybe it is but it's not working the whatever we're doing so we gotta try to mix it up a little bit yeah on tiktok but um instagram and twitter has been growing um really steadily um we just been like we started the uh we started the pandemic with like 300 followers on each and we about to break, we're about to break 2000 on uh, Instagram and 1000 on, we broke all uh, 1000 today on Twitter. So like it's working obviously very slow. Cause that's almost been a year. Yeah. Well, pretty much has been a year, but uh, running ads, uh, trying to like engage with like people in the like latest when it's like, hashtag pop punk or like stuff like that on instagram and then like on the latest when people say like pop punk or like as as controversial as it is machine gun kelly (laughs) (laughs) don't get me started on that that's that's funny (laughs) well that's good that's good where what uh where do you guys handle where people find you just uh at stage moms wv wv for west virginia Virginia. yeah i'm still i was talking telling you before my American geography with states is very limited. So that's cool. And you guys should be looking out for their new song, 231, just came out on Tuesday, uh, February 23rd. And their upcoming EP, Almost Heaven Feels Like Hell, will be out March 12th as well. So uh, thanks, Gage, for 
chatting with me about uh, your story and your band. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me. It's fun. My pleasure. <laughs>